0: Hello and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This. Today, we're gonna be talking about the top assets for wealth creation, generational wealth, wealth that lasts. There is no point having a business just for you to end up being poor at the end of it. The whole point that people make a business, and I know this because when I lecture at the University of Texas in Austin, I ask the students, why do you want to build a business? And the answer is always the same, freedom. Mm -hmm. I want freedom. And yet, as uh, as one of our other guests spoke about earlier on, you go from having a nine to five to a 24 seven. So that's not the freedom. The business isn't the freedom. The freedom comes from what you do with the money you generate and what you do with the money is you buy assets that generate mass wealth you are listening to smart businesses do this the podcast show for freelancers side hustlers and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed simple to run and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms I'm your host Adam Lyons, let's get started. And, uh, it's funny, you know, I'm in the middle of buying myself a a brand new car right now. It's a half a million dollar car. And, um, the way I paid for the car is not with my business. And I actually sat down with my employees and I explained to them, it is not my business buying this car. And I want you guys to know that because I put myself on a salary, just like my employees are on. And in fact, I've got some employees that get paid more than me. And uh, and I showed them, I was like, look, you earn more than me. And they're like, well, boss, how come you can buy a half a million dollar car? And I was like, it's because I'm smarter with what I do with my money. And what I do with my money is I invest it in, wealth generating assets and i thought what a fun way to do a podcast today uh, by bringing in some experts at helping you identify what assets you should be buying or could be buying um, to be wealth generating. Um, I do want to let you guys know before we get started that today's episode is sponsored by workingvacation.com, which is an opportunity for you to spend seven days with me and my team on a boat where we will show you how to have better time management skills, how to be more productive in a tiny amount of time. And more importantly, get pretty much unlimited access to having me help you and your business. If that's interesting to you, go check out workingvacation.com. It's also a really pretty website. Go check it out. So <laughs> that being said, let's get to meet our guests today who are you and what do you do mark
1: i'm mark mason from boston massachusetts i have a development company and a HVAC company
2: what's going on guys my name is pedro i am originally from guatemala i've been living in the united states for 10 years uh currently live in dallas texas with my wife and we own a real estate company and an airbnb management company
3: yes um I'm Kayla Meneses and what I do well I like to be weird. I'm the weird one in the mm-hmm. household. I keep it fun. Um and I'm always singing. So that's a couple things I do, but we also are really excited about being in the real estate space and helping people um create possibility to put their money to work for them. Um the biggest thing is what you do with the cash. How much cash you keep um when you are building a business. So I like to create possibilities for people to get into the real estate to build generational wealth.
0: So I, uh, I love that because, um, you know, I totally sing in the shower and, uh, I, I can't confirm this, but I may or may not have sent a naked video of myself singing in the shower to my wife, uh, yesterday, but I, I just, you know, Post wouldn't, it. wouldn't want to say that publicly. Um, so, but what I really do love is what you're talking about, uh, assets and wealth building. There are, um, a number of books on finance that I could recommend. There's one I'm just going to state should be a must read for everybody. If you are listening to my podcast, if you know me, uh, you should read The Richest Man in Babylon. You pretty much cannot avoid it, as far as I'm concerned, if you wanna be successful. It is a book you should probably reread once a year. And I truly mean that because you will forget some of the key elements inside that book. Um, I also, if you haven't read it, it's worth reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Whatever you think about Robert Kiyosaki, it's worth reading the book. The principles are still valid. A lot of those core principles in those two books are probably going to be spoken about today. So it's easier if we just assume that uh, that you know them and are going to read them and then kind of like, listen to what you hear today and uh, and go with that. What I do want to share with you is just a little bit of a story about one of my business partners. And uh, when we first started working together, uh, I bought 40% of his business and he had an amount of cash in the bank. And he said to me, I'm looking to invest this money. Where do you think I should put it? He said, I could put it uh, back into the business to buy some ads. He goes, I could pay a mentor to come on board and help us with this. He goes, or I could you know, put it in a bank and leave it there to build interest. Um, and he goes, as my business partner, what do you think? And I said, well, first of all, The idea of you spending it on a mentor that we can both benefit from sounds great, but that would be really bad advice from me because that would be you putting a cash injection into the business and I should really honor that by either matching it with my own investment um, or... I could try and justify its expense. I was like, but I don't think we need it. Most of the people that you would hire, I can probably just phone and get them to talk to us. I was like, if I was really shady, I could say, give me the money. and I could keep the money and get them to do it for free. I was like, and I would never do that. So, and this gives you a bit of an insight on what it's like to work with me because I point out all the shady things I could do, but won't um, just to protect you in the future because you realize that you really shouldn't go to your business partner and be like, should I put a bunch of money into the business? Um, and then I was like, the other thing, like spending on ads, I was like, we could, but that's a lot of money to test. We don't know if it's going to work. I'd rather we tested 3,000, you know, and if you want to put 3,000 towards ads, that's cool. But I'd almost rather we generated that internally in the business rather than taking your personal savings. So I don't think you should do that either. And he said, well, now what do I do? Do I just leave it in the bank? And I said, absolutely not. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to buy a house. I was like, you don't own any property and uh, your first home, you're going to get a a massive benefit on it. I was like, I'm not a financial advisor. Please run this by whatever financial advisor you recommend. I was like, but I can tell you an area of Texas that I believe is going to increase in value. Disclaimer, it's where we are. And, uh, I have not only been proven right countless times, but, um, you know, my own property tripled in value, um, since doing it. In fact, the one that we're in right now went up by over double in just two and a half years. Cause I knew that this town was going to be good because I worked in real estate for a long time. So, which I don't tell anyone except right now. Now the, um, the reason for this, um, I said to him, I was like, because I think that's going to be the best benefit to you. So he was really hesitant. He's like, that's all my savings. And I was like, we don't have to use all of it. I was like, but put some of it, the deposit and the legal stuff and buy it. Here's what's really fascinating. He went ahead and he bought the house. He used almost all of it to buy the house. And for a moment, he freaked out that his savings were down to just four figures. You know, he'd lost, he'd gone down to a really small amount of money. After one year, the business had grown from us working together and he had managed to resave almost the amount he had before because we worked together really well and the business did good. What was really interesting was the equity in his home after one year was $60,000. And I'm never gonna forget the day he came to me one year later and said, I can't believe I hesitated. The 30,000 that I put in, which actually wasn't 30,000, like 25 or whatever, is now 60 and I didn't have to work. I just gained $60,000 for doing nothing that is just gonna get bigger. Now that was two years ago. I haven't checked in and asked him how much it's worth now, but I suspect it's closer to some kind of six-figure digit um, that he's generated from just owning this house and he said to me that money had been in the bank a while that was his life savings before we worked together that was the most amount of money he'd ever generated and so this was a big revelation for him and i want to share that with all of you because if you don't currently own some kind of property um, and you're not doing something with it you really should now i also want to say That house, you might be saying, ah, but he's got to make mortgage payments. No, he rents out the rooms in the house. So he does live in it in one room, but he rents out the other rooms and it's not exactly the mortgage payment, but it's close. It's close enough that he pays less rent than he ever has anywhere else in his life. So he's saving money on rent. The mortgage is mostly covered by the other people living in the house, not to mention splitting bills and everything else. And in one year, this has just generated uh, a, a large amount of money over two years, six figures. I want to share this with you because as your first investment, I believe is a personal belief, i am not saying you should do it. It should be a home. And I would also argue that when you have significant income, a large portion of it, you should consider putting into real estate. And, um, and again, I, I'm going to echo this because I had another phone call this morning with another business partner who said, I'm very concerned about the economy because everyone's moving away from the dollar he's like, and I'm worried that we're going to be a cashless economy. And he's, I'm very concerned about all this. And he said, what do I do? And uh, I said to him, I phoned phoned him up and I said, when was the last time a client paid you in cash? And he went, well, never. I was like, why are you worried about a cashless economy then? It's because we want to have cash. So that doesn't mean we want to have money. Relax. We already have a cashless economy. There are only a few industries that still use cash. We don't really use cash anymore. So just don't worry about it. And he goes, but, 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 but what about, what about if I want something that somebody can't just tell me I can't have access to? I was like, do you own a home yet? He goes, no, his business makes over 7 million a year gross. He does not own a home to put, I love everyone here. Is like, what? <laughs> like, and I said to him, I was like, dude, just take, right. Just, just buy homes. Like at least there, and I'll finish it with this. The wealthiest people that I know, the absolute wealthiest, are in finance or property. There are some exceptions who are business owners, but I call them exceptions because it's almost like they won the lottery. Those that have made tons and tons and tons of money in business are what I would call lottery winners. They've had that exception. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't mean somewhat wealthy people in business because I absolutely do. I'm one of them. I definitely have built eight figures from my business. But that's not the kind of wealth that I see predominantly with people with property. To give you an example, if I think of the top 20 business owners I know, they are probably doing about eight figures. When I think of the top 10 property investors I know, they all have private jets. That's a big financial difference between those two. When I think of the top 10 people I know in finance, they all have private jets. But the top 10 business owners have a lot of money but they borrow and charter other people's private jets they don't have their own and that's it with the exception of maybe one or two that's the exception so with that being said as my baseline hopefully to get your head into the right place mark what assets should people get and how did you get into wealth building and asset collection
1: yeah so in 2014 is really when i uh, Started in the real estate space. And I, I come from the plumbing HVC background. I have a plumbing license in my state. And uh, I was working for people that did real estate and uh, doing real estate rehabs. And it really clicked at that point when I was like, you know, I saw how they operated and how they ran their business. And I'm like, I can do this way better than them. Like, what? what? Like, there's no management, there's no planning here, there's no preparation so i then went to a mastermind something like this and um the next year i bu- i bought my first fix and flip and then i bought my first rental property same year um i had no business doing either um i used hard money for the fix and flip uh, made seventy five thousand dollars off that as a wholesale fee um it was supposed to be a fix and flip we ended up wholesaling it and then i bought my first um We call it a burr, and uh, it was a uh, three-family home at foreclosure, which you're not really supposed to do by foreclosure when you're a first-time home buyer. Somehow we got it done, and um, now today we have 40 units. Uh, We do about 30 fix and flips or developments a year. Uh, We do ground-up new construction, and I mean, when you were talking about real estate and wealth building and equity is like something that a lot of people should be more educated about. They don't talk about it in school. They don't talk about anything like that because, and I think that we need to, because the, well, when you think about equity, it's, 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 you know, when you're not talking to a business owner, it's a little confusing. And, uh, what really people don't know is when you buy real estate, you can depreciate it as, as long. And then on the back end, it's appreciating, you know, just like you did with this building, um, and a lot of people can't wrap their heads around that. So when you have multiple businesses and you have real estate, it's really a um, it's a good asset to have to balance your books and to able to build your wealth over time because you know that rental that rental income is passive income. Um, you know, and on the fix and flip side, it's oh the the taxes are more because you have the capital gains, um, and you can really flip that into. Uh, into rentals and kind of, you know, expedite your, uh, bringing down your tax liability. One thing I do do, I'll call this a golden nugget (laughs) is, um, I, on my fix and flip business, I usually look for one or two properties a year that I have the opportunity to convert it to a multifamily. Um, at the end of last year, I did a single family to a three family. And what I did was I, took all the material and labor that I did that I needed to make that a three family and I refinanced I so that would come off the bottom of this in this instance it was about 500 grand we put into the property. That comes off the bottom line of the fix and flip business, which is the most tax liable business. And then we refinanced it tax free and then moved on with our life. And we now we have a three family home that's generating cash flow month to month and That's kind of how we operate in the day-to-day.
0: So there's so much here that I want to dig into for everyone here who's listening. But let's let's just point out one thing. How long in your business, not the housing, the fix and flips, but just in in the home services, would it take you to generate $75,000 in profit?
1: Well, uh, the home service business, I had exponential growth over the past couple of years, but
0: I mean, there's some home service companies that don't make that in a year net profit. So Right. And that, that's it. It's, it's a thing. Whereas a single flip made that 75,000. So I just want to put this out there. If you're running a business and you do not have some kind of asset thing on the side, it doesn't have to be property, but property is definitely something worth looking at, you're really missing out on a lot of opportunity that you could be doing for long-term wealth building. This is actually, a lot of people know I do buying and selling businesses, but I never put money into buying my own businesses because my money goes into property. And the way I think about this is a diversified portfolio between business and property, but the money goes into property, my skills, knowledge, and time go into business. I don't put my skill, knowledge and time into property because you don't want me to paint your walls. However, you do want me to help you make more money in your business because every business I touch increases in revenue. So I would rather say, hey, I'm not gonna give you money towards your business, but let me help you make more in your business. And the money I generate, I'm going to put into property where I'm going to pay people that know what they're doing, and I'll build that over time. Um, And so, yeah, I love that you shared that, Um, Pedro. Obviously, you you actually help people do this, right? I mean, yeah,
2: no, absolutely. That's what we do for a living. So, I will say, uh, what you were talking about, we're talking about building wealth, right? And one of my good friends and partners who owns almost 500 million dollars in real estate recently told me, "You don't work your wealth. You don't work your way into wealth. You create it." you build it right so like you were saying you can work 10 years in a business you never gonna amount the same amount of wealth that you can do to real estate now who here in the room raise your hand on a home now keep it up if you know how much equity you have in your property. Do you know how much equity you have on your property? Yeah what are you using with that equity? What are you doing with that? If I were you, I would go immediately and go ahead get a home line of um, a home equity line of credit and have it ready to deploy it into real estate. Because you can get the the line of credit, it can be there for you, wait until you can use it. Because if you're not using that money, it's debt money, right? So the question was like, how can I get into long-term uh, wealth? I would say start buying real estate. But to get more uh, into the details, I think some of the questions that you need to ask yourself is like, how you want to get into real estate? Because there's so many ways that you can start getting into real estate. You can be an active investor, a passive investor, you can just leverage someone else's money, you can leverage your your home equity, right? There's so many ways that you can get into it. And there's so different types of real estate that you can buy. You can start with single families, multifamilies, uh, commercial buildings, whatever the case may be. So I think you have to do your research as to where do you want to start. But I think residential is usually the 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 best way to start buying the first investment property or buying your first home. A couple of do- years down the road you can pull that equity, start buying a different home because the way I like to see properties or every time like we help somebody buy real estate, uh, when I work with a uh, retail uh, client, I always tell them, listen, you need to look at your property. This is your it's your own bank. That's your is your savings account. Every time you put in money into that mortgage payment, you build an equity, you save saving money. Then later down the road, you can deploy it to start buying more real estate. And guess what? You start buying another house. You have three houses. Then you have three houses generating equity. Maybe at that point, you're not going to ne- need to leverage Bank's money, you can leverage your own equity into the property. But I will say that you have to do your due diligence. What type of real estate you're interested? In. I know sometimes it can get overwhelming because real estate is so creative. There's so many ways that you can go about it. There's so many ways that you can even do seller financing, creative financing to even find properties. And I can give you an example. I have a friend of mine who uh, he owns a roofing company in Dallas, and. He bought this, I think his home is worth $900,000 at this point, beautiful home. And he bought this property. He found this property through someone, the previous owner was in a very distressed situation. The property was like, not really needed some work and stuff like that. But the thing is that he had a very low interest rate and a very low, uh, very low uh, mortgage payment. So what he did is that he offered him, okay, listen, I'm going to give you $20,000. I'm going to keep paying your mortgage, but the deed is going to be on my name. So the $20,000, the guy used to find an apartment so he could start all over again, but now he owns the property, right? And then he did all this other, other creative stuff later down the road. But those are, the, I mean, there's so many ways that you can go about it. You know, you really don't need money. And if you don't own a home, you don't really need money to start in real estate because you can leverage, um, we were talking yesterday with my wife, we, you can Find people, you can go work for people that have the money, the business owner that have the capital to deploy, but they don't wanna be involved in the process. They just wanna put their money out there and work for them. I know there's some people here in the room that they invest their money passively in real estate investment trusts and things like that, where pretty much you're giving the money to someone who's gonna do the heavy work for you, right? So I think there's different options. It's just getting clear of what it is where you wanna start and what type of properties you're interested in, and educate yourself. And really start finding the ways that you can have access to that money or even money that you have in your own home. And if you don't have access to that money, start learning about creative financing and other options. There are plenty of options out there that a lot of people have no clue about it, you know, like when it comes to financing, loans and things like that. So I'll
0: give an example of this that might help you guys. I have a buddy of mine who lives in Chicago. He owns a three-bedroom apartment and the apartment's worth $900,000. And he really wants to sell it because he's got another home that he wants to put money into. And long story short, he's having trouble selling it for what it should be worth because the market in Chicago has dropped. No one wants to live in Chicago. They want to live outside, which is why he's doing it. And he's like, I don't think anyone's going to give me 900,000 for this. And he goes, I'm really frustrated. So he's paying for it and doesn't want to be there. So I told him, I'll buy it off you for 900,000. And he said, what, why? (laughs) And I was like, well, because I know you don't need the cash. You want 900,000, but I know you don't need the cash. You would like to put the money into something else. And I was like, so how about you sell it to me at 900,000 on payments? And I'll just pay you instead of the bank and I'll take over, but I will pay the 900,000. The reason I'm comfortable doing this is over a 20 year mortgage or a 20 year term, which we spoke about. It will be worth more than nine hundred thousand at the end of the twenty years. It's not worth nine hundred thousand today. It may not be worth nine hundred thousand in five years, but in twenty years, I am very, very confident it will be worth nine hundred thousand dollars. So I was like, so if he's going to allow me to pay this off on payments over 20 years, I'm fine for it. Now, he's fine for it as well because he didn't pay 900000 for it. He paid, I think, like 550000 for it. So this is a great return on investment for him. And he doesn't need the cash, but he does want the cash flow. So getting that high payment over 20 years is more than enough for him to pay off the whole thing so he can pay back what he needs to and have extra cash for him and his family. I'm going to make the difference between the nine hundred thousand, whatever it's worth, in twenty years' time, and then the only question is, well, what am I? How am I making the payments in the short term? And the way I'm going to make the payments in the short term is by renting it out to people in Chicago. Now, there's a flip side to this. I have a client in Chicago and I have to pay for a hotel room at least two nights every single month when I go to Chicago and I work. And I get paid a lot of money to work with this client. It's a high six figures for two days of work every month. It's worth it. But I always stay in a hotel that costs 500 bucks a night or $1,000, which obviously is an amount of money. But that amount of money doesn't come out of my pocket. It's a client expense. So all I'll do is take that $1,000 and put it towards the mortgage. So I now am taking the money that's currently going to a hotel and instead putting it into a home that I will now own. And this is an absolute no-brainer deal. The best part about it, no mortgage necessary, no financing necessary, no credit necessary, no cash necessary. And now a client that's spending $1,000 a month for me to stay in a hotel will actually be buying me um, you know, a significant portion of my mortgage every single month. As long as I keep my client happy, which I will because I've been with them for five years, um, this whole thing pays for itself. And it is a no brainer. So I wanted to share that strategy with you guys because that just came from talking to somebody and listening to their pain about an extra property that they wanted to get rid of and being willing to pay more than it's worth today, knowing relying on the equity, that thing that's going to come later on. So um, let's actually lean into that just a little bit. So uh, maybe uh, Kayla, if you wouldn't mind, uh, because we haven't heard from you yet. Let's just say that um, there's somebody out here and they don't own a home. And they have, um, they have poor credit and they've never bought a home and the idea of a home is terrifying. And they look at the, the, the internet and they see that the property market's going to crash and everyone's going to die and there won't be any money left for anybody. And we're all just going to live in tents. Um, what should they do or what, what could be a piece of advice they
3: could do to get started? Um, so there's several things that I would recommend to someone, and that's really and a story first on how I got into real estate. So you can see my heart behind how I love to help people create possibilities to get into real estate, even if they do think they have poor credit or they don't have access to capital is, uh, my parents had never owned a home. Still to this day, my parents don't own a home, and that's something I'm trying to change around for them. Um, but they rented from the same landlord for 12 years. Um, my mom ended up telling me that they actually paid off their landlord's house he lived right next to them, $170,000 or so. And they gifted her with a new couch set. And I was like, Oh, that's really nice. (laughs) A new couch set. And so this is what actually got me really intrigued into real estate. Cause I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like, you know, a year later, they actually went to sell the home. My parents moved into a different property. They sold the home per probably close to $500,000. So these people actually made from their investment that needed to pay off one hundred seventy five thousand, hundreds hundreds of thousands of dollars from my parents paying off their mortgage. So they had nothing into that. So I'm like, that is so interesting. How do the normal people that maybe don't understand about real estate, don't even know how to get started. How do they get involved in this? So they're not paying someone $150,000, $170,000 Dollars in 12 years, it's going back into their pocket. So that's really what intrigued me about real estate is how did normal Joe Schmoes get involved. And so that's when I really started like I got my real estate license. I start getting involved. I start getting around minds and people who had hundreds of thousands in real estate and looked at what they were doing. So for, uh, and that's really what I do. I mean, I've helped people get into homes for under a $1,000 out of their pocket because I'm like, I will figure this out. There is a way they will be able to get into this property. So my recommendation, first of all, um, is just to see if you can get approved. There's some people that do have lower credit. um, But an FHA loan, you just need a minimum of 500 credit score between 500 and 580 credit score. um, If you have the income, because some people have income, they just don't have the credit score. Maybe they just haven't worked on it. They don't know how credit works. So they just never done anything with it. Um, That's a minimum of 10% down. And then over 580 is three and a half. So I always say, start with purchasing or trying to purchase your first home. going to have the least amount out of pocket. Usually it's three to three and a half percent down. And then we can always negotiate on the back end, any closing costs or anything like that, which is also another reason you should probably work with an expert who knows how to negotiate those for your behalf. Um, and there's also a lot of down payment assistance, but on the secondary side, let's say you have the credit, you just don't have the money (laughs) to put it in. Um, we do a lot of what's called wholesaling and i really love the fact that he talked about seller finance and all of that kind of stuff because it almost cor- you know corresponds with Business buying, mm-hmm. like buying a business, they do that a lot of the ways. Seller finance and stuff is really great because usually um, you can get into a property with a little bit down, a lower interest rate, and people are u- willing to work with a lower credit score. Um, so there's so many different avenues. But I always will say, start by getting your first home and getting approved, or work with someone um, like a seller finance, someone who wants to finance to you to make they want to make the money. Then they can um, usually work with like your credit and all that. Fun. steps. So
0: So, um, I hope that helps. (laughs) No, no, it's great. And I want to share with you guys just a little bit about my portfolio and the way that I think about doing things. And by me, I mean, obviously me and my wife. Um, So first of all, we have a home in Tennessee that I've never seen. I've never visited. I've never been to it. Um, It pays for itself. I can't tell you how many bedrooms it's got. I don't know what the furniture looks like. I don't know anything about it, except for the fact that I once paid an amount of money as a deposit and now I own it. The reason for this, um, and I, I don't even know what the equity is like. I know the equity and everything except this one property, because I don't really care about it. Um, but the reason I purchased it is because it's right next to an airport. Now, a lot of people are not fans of buying homes near airports, and they tend to be a little bit cheaper than anywhere else because the sound of an airplane. However, if you want to live in a city, you put up with the sound of cars and traffic and airplanes. It's part of the cost of it. Over time, it doesn't take long but for that airport to increase in traffic. It doesn't, it's no question if you look at any airport anywhere in the world, pretty much, the airports increase in traffic over time because our population increases. As our population increases, unless some kind of rule comes out that says that we can't have a population increase, which hopefully we're not gonna see in our lifetime, um, in america and so the whole point is the population increases more people travel as more people travel as airfare gets cheaper as people work out ways of making the technology better that it's cheaper to fly airports increase and the demand to live near an airport goes up this has been my number one rule of real estate for a very long time where is the airport? Because the airport gives you access to other places. Humans like traveling, we like traveling for vacation, we like traveling for work. And as we moved into more remote workers with Zoom, that only increased the need to travel as you're working remotely and then you need a flyer to go and meet these people. As we get long distance commuters, which is a thing, people are getting on planes and commuting to work. Um, I know, because I'm one of them, I commute to a lot of the work that I have to do. This increases and the desire to live near an airport goes up. So a home that is cheap, that is by an airport is a no-brainer. The reason that I knew this town was really good to buy in is very, very simple. Um, Austin was expanding and everyone said, oh, Austin's expanding, buy in Austin. I'm gonna remind you of my favorite rule in business. It really applies to real estate. Zig when everyone else zags. If everyone does one thing, you should do the opposite. So when everyone's buying in Austin, I'm like, okay, what's gonna happen? Austin's gonna get saturated, the price is gonna go up, and people are gonna spill into the surrounding areas. Let's look at the surrounding areas. Let me be one step ahead. I don't want the growth of 600,000 to 800,000. I want the growth of 200,000 to 600,000. So how can I make that 400,000 difference triple my revenue. So I just looked at the ring around Austin. What's the first thing I look for? The airport. And so sure enough, I find that the airport is out east. And then I look at just past the airport in the other direction from Austin, but the same distance. And I start looking at all the towns. As we look in this area, we start seeing Pflugerville, wimberley all these places that have gone insanely high in terms of pricing and are catching up to Austin prices. And then we find our tiny town of Bastrop where the homes were still at the time, $180,000. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I can be the same distance from the airport as someone in Flugerville, except for me, my price is 180,000 to buy a home or 200,000 and they pay 500,000 and they have to drive through Austin through traffic. I have a straight shot on a country road. This is a no brainer. It's only a matter of time before people start figuring it out. Then my buddy Ryan Holiday contacts me and is looking for somewhere nice to live. And I go, you should think about Bastrop. And then Zachary Levi moves here from the movie Shazam. And then before you know it, they open up a film studio here. Why? Because it's a straight shot to the airport and I'm not an idiot. And it's only a matter of time before everyone starts moving into the town, which is what we are seeing. which is why property value has tripled in this town. It's why we're here in this building but it doesn't just apply to Bastrop it obviously applied to the to the other uh, the place in Tennessee that we bought and it will apply absolutely everywhere where there is a town that is potentially starting to grow not in that town but the towns nearby and so this is like my top tip but don't buy where you want to live buy where people are going to want to live in 2 years Buy early and that's when you're going to get that rise. But it's hard because the, all the noise is saying go and do this. But that's the same concept as when you got in a cab a few years ago and the cab driver was giving you crypto investment advice. That's the time to get our crypto. Um, so same thing. When everyone says move into this town, that's the time to, to think about the other towns. Um, so, Mark, um, just going to you for a second. Um, in terms of like building like a big portfolio of wealth, what is something that you think these guys absolutely have to know and maybe a pitfall to avoid?
1: Uh, Well, I think it starts with mindset. Um, You know, for the longest time, I did fix and flip single families, um, one, two, three families. And until recently, when I started getting into rooms with like minded individuals and bigger players, uh, I realized that it's the same thing just multiplied. Um, So, you know, as of two years ago, um, we started getting into a bigger real estate and we're working on our first 75 unit. We just got under agreement a 36 unit condo complex. So, you know, and the big thing that people think about is like, where do I get the money? Where do I get the resources? And um, to be honest with you, I don't know where I'm getting the money yet. Uh, I just know it's under agreement, where we're getting there. and. If the numbers work, the money will
0: come. So I just want to point this out. So you're buying a home, you're under contract and by a home, I mean, 36 homes, but you have no idea how you're going to pay for it. Correct. That sounds like every entrepreneur I've ever met starting a business ever, <laughs> right? Like I'm going to start this business. You know what you're doing? Nope. Do you care? Nope. Um, so I love that. All right. So how would you go about, how are you going to find the money? So I, I just know that
1: the wheel is away. I'm a right, I'm a um, once I have the contracts all situated, the uh, performance, uh, the numbers all together, uh, I know if I put it in front of the right individuals that I know in my network, I, this, it's going to be a no-brainer. You know,
0: how, how have they agreed to give this to you if you don't have the money? I'm going to give the question. This
1: is is, to go back to creative financing. This particular deal, 36 units that I actually just got under contract yesterday, uh, it's seller finance. They could not sell it, they didn't want to put it on the market. And um, we've been working with them for about six months, and we actually uh, organized them giving us the land. There's a single family home, all the plans, it's building permit ready for 36 units. They're giving us the land and we're going to pay them $12,500 per unit over 18 months with 25% profit, which in the contract we control because
0: we're the, so let's just say you find someone and say, okay, I'm going to fund this whole deal. Well, if they're going to fund it, how are you going to get anything? Cause they're going to fund it. Don't they just get everything and you get nothing? no no how does that work how are you gonna make it so i'm I'm being devastated yeah
1: no absolutely you know and we we we're in the beginning stages of it so we're going to be probably trying to go after developers construction managers to partner with um even banks you know it's all about relationships networking as we've been talking about today and uh, i have a strong relationship with my bank so uh, in a perfect world i would love to do like a 10% down on the construction because we own the land. If we own the land, what what the owners don't know is they're giving us the land pretty much, and we're going to lean against the land. So if we can find someone that can mortgage us with 10% or 15% down, it's going to pay for, uh,
2: it's going to pay for our down payment. That's awesome. I love it. Um, okay. And the same question, Pedro, what do you, yeah, no, uh, just to piggyback at what Mark was saying, um, uh, For me, in my head, this sounds almost like a wholesale deal, right? And one of the things that you have to understand in real estate is that if you have a good deal, you will find the money, right? So that's why it's important that you surround yourself with the right people, that you network with people in real estate. Because there are people that have real estate syndicates that if you bring a deal that is valuable to them and it's all about the numbers and the numbers make sense, those can be your buyers. Those can be the people that can finance the, the 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 deal for you. It's like wholesaling, right? Like I give you an example. We do a lot of wholesaling in the Dallas area. So what we do is that we try to find these distressed properties, right? People that are upside down, people going through divorces, people that, you know, they're about to go into probate or pre-foreclosures and things like that, distressed properties that they need some repairs. So we find the properties, we come to them and all we're doing is flipping a piece of paper, right? Because we come to them, we look, evaluate the property. This is the repairs that this house needs. Etc. So, this is how much we can offer you cash. We cover all the costs, everything. And what we're doing, we're not doing any, we're not deploying any money because we're literally just getting them under contract. And then we turn around to our network of investors and say, Hey, I have this property here. I'm sure the numbers make sense to you because I already know my buyers. So, hey, I have this property. It is exactly, it meets your criteria. Guess what? They're going to be looking at it. Okay, I take it from you. Whatever, so let's say I bought it for sixty percent of the of the market value, my investor might buy it for 70, 80 percent, and that will make the difference. So I'm making money out of real estate, flipping houses just by or making selling houses by just flipping a piece of paper. So I think that's just to to answer that, I think Brilliant. yeah, you just have to have the right people in place because if you don't have the money, wholesale deals, you know, do sale financing. There's so many uh, uh, Options just uh, it blows my mind how real estate how you can how creative you can get in real estate and then um Kayla how do you find deals like this? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah um, there's actually a lot of ways that we find deals we work with um, s- several companies we put out ads um, some people even drive for dollars and things like that but um, the first st- uh, thing I can say is find the deal like they said and the money will come there's always people that need to deploy capital um, but what we we a couple of things that we do is we work with um, for instance there's one company we work with it's called rei print mail so they actually will send out um, mailers in the form of checks to a specific targeted lead or group of people um, that maybe they're absent homeowners or the property's vacant. It's just sitting there and it will send them a check. And then that's how we get leads. They'll actually call and be like, hey, I actually received your check. I'm interested in selling this property. At that point, we might not give them the check. That's just the lead magnet or give them that cost. But that starts a conversation to where we can see, okay, what's, what's going on? How can we help you? Um, how can we get you you know, out of the situation and the most for your property. And then typically what we'll do is, yeah, we'll get it in contract and what he was saying about 60 to 70% after renovated value. If you guys don't know, let's say we found a property and we're like, we'll give you 160,000 for this property. We'll take it off your hands. They will agree. And then we'll go and maybe sell it to the investor for $170,000. So we're actually making that split. So about $10,000 we made just from selling that, that, um, contract, so to speak. So that's another way too. also, if you want to get into real estate, let's say you don't have capital, you don't have equity to work with. And you're like, well, how do I even get into real estate? Where can I get money? You can start with ways like that. You don't need a real estate license. You don't need money. You don't, you literally just need to find a deal and help someone. So
0: I love that. Um, so we are getting towards the end. I'd love to go down the line and, uh, you know, maybe start with you, Kayla, um, in your mind, what do smart businesses do and how can people find out more about you?
3: Yeah. Well, definitely in real estate, um, I believe smart business owners are decisive. Um, if the numbers work, then make a decisive decision. Are you going to move forward or you're going to not, um, indecisiveness will lose you deals, could lose you money. Um, and then you'll be those people looking back being, dang, I should have took that opportunity. (laughs) So, um, just be very decisive. And if the numbers don't work, real estate, um, and investing should not be emotional. It's, they don't work, move on, um, don't try to make something work uh, in real estate. So that would be my advice for smart business owners. And then you can find me on Instagram at Kayla under Kayla Manessis underscore. And then also on Facebook as well. Kayla Meneses. Perfect. Yeah.
2: So I will say it's more uh, business owners. They, first of all, educate themselves about real estate. Uh, they find ways to invest their money in real estate. And there was one more. I kind of forgot. <laughs> yeah, I know. But. Uh, and I think most importantly, this around themselves with people that they can learn about real estate because one of the major issues that I always find when I'm having a conversation with someone who wants to buy uh, an Airbnb or wants to get into real estate is the mindset. They have a mindset of a consumer instead of looking at this as a having the mindset of an investor and thinking in terms of like this is something that is gonna make me money and I'm not gonna be emotionally attached to it. So that's what I would say is small business. I love it. And, yeah. And, yeah. You and can just you. go to uh, online, and you find all the links there to all my social media, podcasts, and some other stuff that we have going on. Pedromanesis.online. Dot online. Perfect. Cool. And Mark.
1: All right. Smart business owners, I think operate best with speed. Um, expression real estate you need to be you need to act the speed um you know they that expression where you fail fast it's a thing you know most people don't fail uh so you know operate with speed that's what i can say in real estate and uh you guys can find me at mark mason mark marc mark mason underscore or uh east side property llc and on Instagram.
0: Dude, you're awesome. Guys, uh, thank you once again for tuning in to Smart Businesses Do This. Um, please check out workingvacation.com to see what it would be like if you spent an entire week with us and get to rub shoulders with the likes of these incredible people in this room. And of course, have me and my team look over your business and see what we can do to help you be more time efficient. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Smart Businesses Do This. Now if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit the smartblueprint.com/ebook to grab a free copy, and I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.